0: When I was uh, when I was young, probably like the, the age of some of these ones running back there, I had a <clears throat> I had a Bible comic book, and it was it was thick. And I and I, I mean I'm looking looking back. Surely it didn't have the whole. It wasn't a whole complete Bible, but uh, it was a comic book, and it was. Um, I loved reading it, and I would read. I read through it. I don't know how many times, and I particularly. Loved uh, a section in the Old Testament when they, when the, when the uh, people of Israel arrived in the Promised Land, and then there were. It, it seemed like there was just uh, there were always battles and conquests and, and uh, uh, turmoil, and, and I, I loved reading it, and uh, <clears throat> I'm sure it helped my Bible knowledge, um, but it just felt like it was a like a collection of stories. Uh, and it was just like, this, these are some of the things that happened. And, and so I, I feel like, um, uh, you know it was, it was, I kinda missed some of the main points, even though I was kinda getting a, an idea of the, the history and chronological, uh, chronological, the order of it. <laughs> uh, but I think I had this, uh, a sense as I was reading, do these people ever learn? You ever get that sense when you're when you're reading through the Bible? Do they are they going to are they really going to dis, disobey again? Are they really going to um, act in unbelief again? And, um, and and I probably was missing the idea that there were like generations between stories. You know, like Noah didn't know Moses, and Moses didn't know David. Like they weren't all contemporaries. And, and maybe I missed some of that. Um, I I don't know. But um, I think what I missed as a kid, that I'm definitely aware of now, is that these, these, these stories, these accounts, these people that we read about, they treated God and they treated each other uh, in a lot of the same ways that I do. Like I'm, I'm not so different from them as what I thought I was when I was a kid. And you're reading about you know, Joshua and the people of Israel crossing the Jordan River, what, a, what an amazing miracle. And uh, then the defeat of the, the city of Jericho, what an, another amazing miracle, like they must have so much confidence in God, they will do anything He asks them to do. And then we get to today's uh, chapter, chapter seven in the book of Joshua. So I, I, th- I think I, I, looking at it, I was like, how could they be that way? And now when I read it, I can see myself in, in it a lot more than, than I used to. Um, I think the other thing that I missed probably was was the fact that as we go through the Old Testament we are learning about the character of God we're learning about ourselves one we're learning about the character of God at the same time and that's what we're what I've been trying to do as we've been in the book of Joshua here for the last few weeks and it's what we're going to try to do this morning how are we similar to the people in the account this morning and and who was God to those people and who is God to us today. And so that's what we're gonna try to do this morning. We're gonna be in Joshua chapter seven if you've got your Bibles and wanna turn there. Uh, Let's open in prayer and we'll look at it. Heavenly Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see uh, what's in your word, that you would, uh, as we study it this morning, uh, that we would see who you are and uh, what your character is like, and as we, Uh, study it this morning, I pray we would see who we are and what our character is like. And as we look at the, uh, as we compare and contrast the two, Lord, I pray it would be in our hearts to conform to your image, the image of your son, the perfect example of Jesus. And so, Lord, I ask that you'd open our eyes this morning as we study, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we we talked about the fall of Jericho last week, this great miracle where the, the army uh, the Lord said to the people and to the army, Jericho will be yours, I'm gonna give you great victory. And then they didn't even get to fight a battle. They just, they walked around the city once a day for seven days and on the, for, excuse me, for six days. On the seventh day, they marched around seven times. The walls of the city fell and the people went in and the city was theirs. Uh, uh, Rahab had told the spies earlier, the, the hearts of the people have melted. There's just, there's no will in them to fight. Uh, this 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 country, this land, this city uh, will be yours um, we We looked back into the book of Deuteronomy um, for some understanding as well that God wasn 't giving the people of the land of Canaan because they were so good and they deserved it, but he was bringing judgment on these people, and uh, the the people of Israel were receiving a blessing. It was more about God fulfilling his promises than it was about the people of Israel getting something. That they deserved, and as we as we looked at it, we were we we saw that God was very specific to them, and He said, um, "Everything is to be destroyed except for the gold, the silver, the iron, and the bronze, and and those four things were to be kept uh, and put into the treasury of the Lord. So no person was to take anything for themselves, uh, but some of the things were to be set aside for God." Um, and and uh, this was like this. These were the instructions, and so the the walls fell down. The people went in, and uh, and the city was theirs. And so uh, we'll actually pick up in in Joshua chapter six, verse twenty-seven. The Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the lands. Like this is kind of like the the conclusion of that that great chapter of victory. Joshua's. Uh, the Lord was with Joshua, his fame was spreading throughout the land. So it's just kind of a like, man, this is awesome. God worked, God was with Joshua, God was with the people, God was working on their behalf. Look at the first word in the next chapter, but. Now there's some buts in, in scripture that you, know, you get to and you read and it's like, it's, it's awesome. And, and in a, I think of Ephesians chapter two, uh, where it talks about, uh, talking about us, that we were dead in our sins, that we were living according to our own passions, that uh, the world had its grip on us, that we were following um, after the, uh, whatever desire we wanted. We were children of wrath, and then it says, but God, rich in mercy and full of love, made us alive with Christ. And so this is like the total opposite feeling The Lord was with Joshua, the Lord was with the people. There was a great victory, but the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. You just gotta wonder, and as a kid, I, this is, I'm looking at Achan and I'm thinking, what's the guy thinking? Like God is like doing all these great things, how could he go against what God asked him to do? And scripture doesn't tell us here why Achan did what he did, but maybe he thought, well, nobody will know. These people aren't gonna use it, so I might as well put it to good use. It's, it's just a few things, it's not a big deal. I've earned it. I don't know if that's what Achan was thinking. I know that that's what I'll think when I wanna excuse something that I wanna do and I know that I shouldn't do. We're gonna come back to, to Achan. But know this, that, that the people of, says the people of Israel broke faith. I think that's important. It doesn't say Achan broke faith. The people of Israel broke faith. Achan's sin, we're gonna see, affected everyone. So we'll keep reading uh, verse two, Joshua chapter seven. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, and, and so it doesn't indicate that Joshua has any idea that, that something wrong has happened. Uh, so he sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near beth east of Bethel, and said to them, go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not have all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men went up from there, from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about thirty six of their men and chased them from before the gate as far as Shabirim Sherber- Sher- Shibir- and struck them at the desert and the hearts of the people melted and became as water. So, complete change of events. The hearts of the, of the people of Canaan had melted, and now in their defeat, the, people, the hearts of the people of Israel have melted. I don't know, how many of you played the game of Risk before? Fun board game, not too many. Um, it, it's, it's a game where you're trying to conquer the world and you're, you're playing against uh, other people and it's, uh, you're moving your, your pieces around and basically uh, you have to look at how many pieces they have on the board and how many pieces you have and you're gonna move your pieces onto their territory and then you, you roll the dice and whoever gets the highest number, they win. And so it's a game of strategy and the, strat- the main strategy is, is this how many of my men do I have to move in order to get the victory? And so uh, the report here from, these, from the spies to Joshua was, this city's gonna be no big deal. We, we took Jericho last week. This'll be a piece of cake. Just, just send two or 3,000 men. And so it says, I think they sent 3,000 men and they were soundly defeated. So it looked pretty good, like isn't this what Joshua did before? He sent some scouts over the river to see what was going on, he got the report back. He, he, oh, wait a minute. He met with the Lord, he got instruction from the Lord, he got direction from the Lord in the case of Jericho, but here in Ai, he sent the scouts and made his own plans. He did not consult the Lord. So this is the first lesson I see in this chapter. We need to seek the Lord in all things. In all things. There's no mention of, of Joshua seeking the Lord in what to do with the city of Ai. Lord, what should we do? Is it time to go? How many men, what's the strategy this time? There's, there's no mention of it. In ch- at the end of chapter five, the beginning of chapter six, there's a discussion, a dialogue between between God and Joshua, mostly from God to Joshua, in terms of what's next? What what are the instructions? What does God expect of Joshua? God laid it out for him, Joshua listened, he sought the Lord, but in this case, Joshua made his own plans. So, ministry leaders, Sunday school teachers, small group leaders, moms, dads, we, we, try to, we try to live our lives in an orderly way, in a way you, we use common sense, we, we try to be efficient, we try to be practical, uh, we try to uh, be organized, but at the end of the day, we have to seek the Lord in what we are doing. Whether it's uh, um, uh, what you're gonna do tomorrow on your day off, if you get the day off, many of you will, Oh, or if it's, um, where, are we, where are we gonna live? What job will I take? We've got to seek the Lord. So we, we do think rationally, we do use common sense, good things, we wanna be practical, we wanna be strategic, but at the end of the day, probably at the beginning of the day, I should say, we must seek the Lord in all things. Someone shared this uh, story with me, you've probably heard it before, it's called the the pot roast principle. You heard of the pot roast principle? So a young girl um, was watching her mother prepare the Sunday pot roast, and the mother cut the ends off of the pot roast, put it in the pan, and stuck it in the oven, and she said, Mom, why do you cut the ends off before you put it in the pan? And the mom said, well, I don't know why, we, I don't know. That's what my mom did, so go ask your grandma. She's the one that taught me how to do it. So she went to her grandma and said, Grandma, why do you cut the ends off the pot roast? And she said, well, I don't know. That's what my mom always did. You'll have to ask your great grandma. So she went and said, great grandma, why, why do you cut the ends off the pot roast? And she said, oh, well, when we were first married, we just had a small pan and the pot roast didn't fit. So I cut it off to make sure it fits so I could put it in the oven. So we've got three generations later just, nobody's asking, we've got to, to go to the source, which is God, and say, God, what would you have me to do? God, this is what we've been doing. Is this what you want us to continue to do? We must seek the Lord in all things. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So the common sense, the planning, the strategy, all these things God will make clear to us, but we need to seek Him first, asking Him every day for guidance, for His love and His grace and His mercy to flow through us in what He would have us to do. So Joshua, though, he didn't consult the Lord. Probably, had, probably was a good plan, probably was good strategy, probably made sense. If he had sought the Lord, perhaps he would have found out about this issue in the camp. Okay, so verse 6, the, the people, the, the, the army, 3,000 men were defeated, uh, their hearts melted, they turned and they ran. And verse 6 says, Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to give us into the hands of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. We would have been happy to stay back there, God, if you were just going to bring us over here and, and have us be defeated. Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? We turned and we ran, he said. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? This is Joshua's crying out to God. So the second, the, the second thing we see here is Joshua corrects course quickly. He recognizes that he didn't go to the Lord and so very quickly he went straight to the Lord. Maybe when you were first driving, you got some of the same instructions that I did, that if you're going down the highway and you veer off into the shoulder a little bit, what are you supposed to do? Don't jerk it back on, right? Because you might spin out. Take your, you take your foot off the gas and you just sort of ease back into the, into the, onto the pavement, right? Anybody else get that instruction when they were? Okay, that's not what we do here. When we recognize that we've sinned before God, we jerk that wheel and get it back on the road. And uh, you know, I said you, you can't, when we get off track—that's I think that's the phrase I use—when we get off track a little bit. When I say when we get off track, I mean when we have sinned against the Almighty Creator of the universe. We just, we, we like to soften it a little bit. And say, we're just off track a little bit. No, if we're in sin, we wanna jerk that wheel and get it back on the road. So as I'm, I'm reading this, I'm thinking, man, Joshua's being a little dramatic, isn't he? Sounds like Moses and the people, oh, if we were just in Egypt, eating the, the leeks and the onions, and we had fresh vegetables, and, and now Joshua's, oh man, God, we would've, I would, we would've been fine on the other side of the Jordan. Why'd you bring us over here? But as I was looking at it a little more closely, I'm wondering if I'm just reading myself into the text. You know, I have a tendency to say, God, why are you doing this to me? God, why are you allowing this to happen? I don't know that that's what Joshua was saying here. Look at it closely with me. I don't think he's being overly dramatic. He tore his clothes. So for for Joshua to tear his clothes in his culture means Uh, that he is in mourning. He has a deep sense of grief and of loss, and and certainly he lost 36 men that day. 36 of his men were dead because of of his commands. Let's go up and take them. We're only gonna send 3,000. And so I think he tore his clothes because he was in grief over the loss of these men. And then it says that he fell on the earth, we're in verse six, he fell on the earth to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord. So he, he just prostrated himself before the Lord. I don't know what time of day he did it, but he stayed there until the evening, him and the elders of, of Israel. So he, he rightly put himself in a position of submission before God. He said, God, what's going on? I'm submitting myself to you. I am humbling myself to you. Him and the leaders of the people. And then the question here, when he says, God, we would have been content over there. Why'd you bring us over here only to be killed? And and my first thought was, you know, he's complaining. He's concerned about his well-being. But when we read it right to the end, Joshua recognizes that his well-being and his success reflects on his God. He says, we'll be cut off in verse nine, our name will be cut off from the earth, and what will you do for your great name, God? This is we represent you, and if and if and if we're defeated on earth, does that mean you're defeated in heaven? Certainly, it doesn't mean that. We don't want people to think that that's what that means. God, act on our behalf for your name's sake. So he wasn't so much concerned for himself and for the people, although he was, I think he tore his clothes in grief, but he was concerned for the reputation of God. And so when we we find ourselves in sin, we've got to jerk the wheel, get back on track, and to submit ourselves and humble ourselves before God. And this is when God reveals to, to Joshua the sin of Achan. Verse 10 says, the Lord said to Joshua, get up, why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. God says, the reason that you were defeated is because you have sinned. They have transgressed transgressed my covenant, having a hard time with words this morning, that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen and lied and put them up with their own belongings. God says, these are the basic things that I, that I told you not to do, they've stolen, they've lied, they've gone against what I've asked them to do. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. That's a significant statement that God's making to the people of Israel. If this is how you're going to be, I will be with you no more. This is, the, this is, this is God speaking from his character of holiness. He will have nothing to do with, with sin. So he says, consecrate yourselves, consecrate the people, tell them to consecrate themselves for tomorrow, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst, O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. In other words, if you're gonna stand and represent me, you can't do it until you've taken care of the sin that's, that's within the camp. In the morning, you'll be brought near, um, you shall be brought near by your tribes, and the tribe that the Lord takes away by lot will, shall come near by clans, and the clan that the Lord takes will come by households, and the household that the Lord takes uh, will come man by man. And he who is taken with devoted things shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. We like to consider some sins as outrageous. Outrageous. But here, here God's saying that this, this sin that Achan has committed is an outrageous thing. And I think we would probably do better if we considered all sin as, as outrageous. Any sin against God, we should consider as outrageous. Maybe we would have a different view on, on some of these small things that we like to convince ourselves. Sin is a serious thing. We would like to say, ah, but not a big deal. Ah, I deserve a break today. I think that's a commercial for something. Little bit won't hurt. But sin is an outrageous thing. So God revealed two things to to Joshua. Um, He said, someone has violated my commands and uh, this person will be stoned for his sin. Romans 3 verse 10 says there is none righteous no not one nobody's righteous we like to look at Achan and say man how could that guy all he had going for him how could he <clears throat> there's none righteous no not one Romans three twenty-three: for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God in some way all of us this morning are like Achan we have all sinned before God and God is holy and sin separates us from a holy God today just like it did for Achan God said to the people If you keep these devoted things within you, I won't be with you because God is holy and he uh, will not uh, be with sin. He will separate himself from sin. And there's a penalty to be paid. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Something that struck me as I was looking at this that I've never really thought about before. How do you think Joshua felt that night? Knowing that he's just, he's just the, the Lord has come to him and he said, this is what you need to tell the people. Consecrate yourselves, get yourselves ready. Tomorrow we're gonna find the person who did, who did this and he will be killed. This is Joshua, he's got the choice. Do I listen to God? If I listen to God, somebody's gonna die. Or do I, what a place to be in. And and we've probably not been in in the exact situation where someone's about to die, but sometimes we're in a position where if we are obedient, we don't like the outcome or what we perceive the outcome to be. And this is where Joshua essentially was. He was in a position where if he is obedient to God, he's going to see an outcome that he probably was not looking forward to. And yet, what do, we, what, what do we do in those situations? But follow what God has for us. Uh, verse 16, <clears throat> Joshua rose early in the morning and he brought Israel near tribe by tribe. And he basically, he did exactly what God said to him, uh, told him to do. Brought them out tribe by tribe. Uh, the Zarahites Zer- were taken. Uh, brought them uh, by, man by man, Zabdi was taken. So then household by household, all the way down to Achan. And and Joshua in verse 19 says, Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him, and tell me now what you have done, do not hide it from me. I, I just think that's a real interesting statement. Glorify God, give praise to God by confessing your sin. God is glorified when we deal with sin in our lives. As we we are conformed to the image of Christ, it's God working in us through his spirit, but he is glorified when we submit and we deal with sin. So Achan answered Joshua. If we could just learn when we're called out in our sin to, to, to answer the way Achan did. We get defensive, we get argumentative, uh, we, we want to justify, but listen to what Achan says. Truly, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar, uh, some would say this was coming from Babylon, and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I saw these things, then I coveted them, and I took them, and see they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. He was just completely forthright. You know, we like to like just, they, they say a lot of times we we hide a lie, we like to hide a lie and a partial truth. Aiken just lays it all out. This is what I did. I saw some beautiful things, I wanted them, and I took them, and I hid them in my tent. Genesis chapter three, verse six. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took the fruit and ate it, and she also gave to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Eve saw the fruit on the tree, She desired it for what she wanted. She took it and she gave it to her husband. She saw, she wanted it, and she took. It didn't just affect her, but her husband. And then we see Achan, he saw these things, he wanted them, he took them, put them in his tent, and we're gonna see it didn't just affect him, it affected the people around him. James 1, 14 and 15 says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin, and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. There are consequences for our sin. And we're, I mean, we do the same thing. We see, we want, we take. So what we're seeing here from, from Achan is that sin affects those that are around you. Let, let's keep, keep reading this. Joshua sent messengers, verse uh, 22. They ran to the tent. It was just like Achan said. Under the tent, the silver was hidden. They took them out of the tent and brought them to Joshua. So it's not just Achan, whoever, whoever else is in the tent brought them to Joshua and to all the people of Israel. They laid them down before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold and his sons and daughters and his oxen and donkeys and sheep and his tent and all that he had. And he brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today, and all of Israel stoned them with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. They raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day, and the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor, the Valley of Trouble. Sin affects those that are around you. You say, well, that doesn't seem fair. It wasn't his family that took it, but his family was in the tent with the stolen things. And so at least it would seem that they were aware of what happened, and there they you know, they didn't nobody said, Hey, Aiken, that's not right. We need to go talk to to Joshua about this. They just they allowed the sin to be in the tent, and they all received the penalty of death. First Corinthians twelve twenty six says, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We're connected. We're the body of Christ. We're one, we talk about being a, a family. Uh, scripture describes us as a family, yes, but also as a body. And if one part of the body suffers, then it, all, all suffer with it. And so one person's sin can affect much more than just themselves. And two, this sin separates us from God and leads to death. The wages of sin is death. That's, that's from the New Testament. You think, oh, this is just an Old Testament story. In Romans, it says, the wages of sin is death. In Isaiah chapter 59, Isaiah uh, prophesying to the people of Israel at another time in their history where they were being disobedient. They were calling out to God and, and, and looking for salvation. And Isaiah said to them, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. His ear is not dull that it cannot hear. It's not that the Lord can't do something for you, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. I mean, we we know we're we're in disposable bodies, right? We will all eventually face death. The wages of sin is death. It's a result of, of that original sin that brought death into the world so we don't live forever in these bodies, but there's good news, isn't there? The wages of sin is death, yes, but, this is another good one, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus came because of our sin. He came despite of our sin. He came because he loved us and he knew that in our sin we needed someone to pay for that sin or else we too would face eternal death. And so that is why Jesus came. First Timothy 1.15 says, here's a trustworthy saying, that deserves full acceptance. Everyone should believe this. Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. Third thing that we wanna look at, God does not bless sin. God was not about to, to continue to bless the people of Israel with the sin in their camp. And, and we'll see in, in this specific event, uh, account, Achan's sin, It didn't prevent, but because of Achan's sin, God did not bless the people of Israel with another victory. Not until the sin was dealt with. Now we've gotta be careful that we don't jump to conclusions, and the, the sale of the house fell through. Oh, they must, there must be some sin in their household. Oh, she's sick again she's got some sort of sin that she's not confessed. That's, that's, that's not what we're talking about this morning. And in fact, Jesus uh, had to correct that type of thinking that even his disciples thought. In John chapter nine, there was a blind man and his, uh, the disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, it's not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus said, This man was born blind, yes, but God's working in this situation. It wasn't because this guy sinned, it wasn't because his parents sinned. That's a faulty thinking to think, oh, something bad happened, it's because I've sinned. And yet, in this specific instance, God did not bless the people of Israel because of the sin in their lives. So it is worthwhile for us as we're seeking the Lord each day, not just making plans because they make sense or because it's strategic or it's practical, but as we're making our plans that we would just do self-evaluation on a regular basis. Lord, is there sin in my life that I'm not dealing with? Lord, is there something that I need to um, adjust? Is there some way that I need to get back on track so we're not gonna assume that when something bad happens it's because I sinned, or if something bad happens it's because you sinned. But on a personal level, it's worthwhile to do regular evaluation. Are we living according to the will of God or do we have a sin that we need to deal with? It's a, it's a, it's a heavy subject this morning, but I wanna to turn to, to James chapter four just to kinda of finish it up this morning talking about sin, and then what do we do with it? And really, when we, when we look at James chapter four, he's giving us instruction, and, and Joshua didn't have the opportunity to read this passage of scripture, but we see Joshua's response is very similar to what James says here in James chapter four. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? This is James chapter four, verse one. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet, you can't obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passion. So James is saying, look, we, we, we all have these desires, we have passions, we want things. We, it's like Eve and it's like Achan. We see, we want, and so we take, or we wish we could take. And there's, we have a, an internal struggle of, of, of wanting what we want, but also wanting to do what God wants. This is, this is an internal struggle that believers deal with. Uh, James continues in verse four, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God, or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. When we just give in to these our desires and our wants and we act selfishly, we, we act without regard for, for God, we act without regard for uh, other people around us and we just prioritize ourselves and what we want and what we desire, we are putting ourselves at enmity or, or against God. We are separating ourselves from God. And that's not what God wants. We are separated, yes, because God is holy. That's his character, he's just. as part of his character. But God is also loving, and we see this here in verse five when it says, he, speaking of God, yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. God has given each one of us a soul. God wants a relationship with that soul. And yet we separate ourselves from God when we, when we pursue our own passions and our own desires. And so there's, a, there's a, a, a tension here. Verse 6 says, but God gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And this was Joshua's response. He humbled himself before God when he realized that there was that there was sin, he, he lay prostrate before, the God, he, before God. He submitted himself to God and we see that uh, God says here, or James says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble and grace comes through Jesus Christ. And this is a, a, when we say to God, God I'm a sinner and I need a savior, that is us humbling ourselves before God, that's the that's the first time that God's grace comes into our lives and saves us is when we humble ourselves and say, God, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And verse seven continues, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's not God that separates us from him, we separate ourselves from God when we sin. And it says, draw near to God. Confess our sins, James would say in chapter one. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. That was, that was Joshua. Mourning, weeping, tearing his clothes, humbling himself before God. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. God will lift us up when we humble ourselves before him. We want to keep ourselves upright and say, oh, that's not a big deal. That's not so bad. I can handle this. And God says, no, you need to humble yourself and I'll be the one to lift you up. It's exactly what Joshua did. If we were to, uh, to look at, let's, let's just read it. I don't know if I gave this to um, them over there, but Joshua chapter 8, the first couple of verses Uh, Joshua's humbled himself. They dealt with the sin that Achan uh, had committed. The Lord said to Joshua, do not fear, do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai and his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its livestock you shall take as plunder for yourselves. Lay an ambush against the city, get behind it. And he continues with the instructions of what he wants them to do. But even in, in this story of Joshua, Joshua humbled himself before the Lord, he confessed his sins, he mourned, and he wept. he admitted what, where he had gone wrong, and it was God who had exalted him. And actually, if Achan had done what God had asked him to do in Jericho, we see here in the city of Ai, God saying, look, you can have all the plunder that you want. God had great things for Achan in his future, but Achan forfeited those things because of the desires he saw, he desired, and he took. So I, I think as we look at this passage this morning, I don't want to end it on a, on a, on a note that's like, oh man, I'm wretched, I am sinful, I have done wrong. And those, let, me, let me be clear, those are, that's a place where each one of us has to go. We all have to be there. But the promise here in, in, the, in the book of James is that when we humble ourselves, when we confess our sins, uh, 1 John 1, nine says, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here James says, when we humble ourselves before God, and confessing our sins is humbling ourselves, it's part of it, that God will exalt you. So as we come before God and we recognize, man, I'm, Lord, I, I did it again. God, I've sinned in this area. Yes, we mourn, yes, we, we're, we should be grieved uh, because of what we've done, but we recognize that when we confess, that his grace is there for us. That's exactly why Jesus died on the cross is because we are sinners and when we confess, we receive his grace and he will lift us up. Jesus didn't come to condemn us, he came to save us. Paul says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because Jesus paid for the sins already. But we are to confess, we are to humble ourselves, we are to ask God, where would you have me go from here and follow in obedience? Heavenly Father, when, when we read a chapter like uh, Joshua chapter seven, it should be somber. Uh, it, we should really stop to think, wow, what, what, did, what did this man do to deserve death? And, and the reality is we all deserve death. But the good news of the gospel is that even though the wages of sin is death, you have given us the gift of your son. And Lord, that's what we cling to this morning. It's not because of the righteous things that we've done, but you have saved us because of what Jesus has done. And so we don't, we don't do, and we don't strive, and, and we don't uh, make this great effort to please you because you are pleased with the sacrifice of your son. And so, so, Lord, I pray that each one here this morning would, would cry out to you and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. Perhaps there's those uh, who have, have cried out to you like this uh, in the past and as believers we come to you and say, Lord, we thank you for your salvation. Lord, you're revealing to me this sin in my life and I confess it as sin. Lord, I pray that we would be like Achan and we would just be honest with you to, to admit where we've been wrong, realizing that there is this promise of grace and forgiveness when we cry out to you. Lord, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you for forgiving us when we sin. Lord, I pray that um, when we receive this forgiveness, when we uh, receive this grace that we don't deserve, when we receive your mercy, uh, that we would just be excited to tell other people who are sinners and who are apart from you the grace and the love and the mercy and the freedom that's available in you. Lord, would you work in our hearts so that we would be in a proper position of humility and submission before you, that we would be looking to you each and every day, not just trusting in our human wisdom, but that we would be putting our faith and our trust in you for all aspects of our life,